0: Chapter 13. A little bit more mic. Let's try this out, all right? Hey, Amen. I decided to go to a new lapel versus my headset on today, uh, hopefully, to uh, communicate the gospel on this morning. I'm really excited about the worship and warfare experience this coming weekend. And I just want to take a moment to commend Prophetess Dr. Elizabeth Street, UCC's very Where's she at? Would you stand? Brother Chris, y'all stand. This is a ministry gift that God has given to the woman of God. I celebrate it on a Sunday morning because she does it the right way. She's very accountable, very responsible, very prayer-driven. And on this weekend, right here at the Oasis, this location, this coming Friday night, there is an absolute night of worship and warfare right here. It begins at 7 p.m. And guess what? Here's, the best, here's a blessed bonus. The ministry of none of them then Elder Stephen Dalton and the LaBellia Singers of Charlotte will be part. She's got a long list of warfare leaders, prayer leaders, ministry leaders. And um, you understand that I have a family obligation on Friday night with my youngest son. My oldest son, we playing at Virginia Tech on Friday night at a national televised game. My wife is going to support him there while I stay home and support my own youngest son in his first game back after six weeks of being injured. So uh, we're going to be busy. But while you all are praying, all right, lift those two little boys up for the Lord, all right. And uh, But I want to commend you all. If you're in the area, you all are not a part of high school football games on Friday night and you're in town. Come by here, the Oasis, and let's seek the Lord and see what powerfully God can do i know you're praying for your pastor i thank you for that i know you're praying for your church i know you're praying for this season of acquisitions and approvals and all that great stuff i trust that's the heart of god and who would have thought that god would have raised up an army of warfare leaders in such a very intricate season such as this would you help me honor the lord let's appreciate and honor dr elizabeth three her husband chris and the great ministry that is upon their lives the book of numbers chapter 13 the book of numbers chapter 13 let's look at verse 31 the book of Numbers, chapter 13, and verse 31. One more time, the book of Numbers. Uh, I kind of shared with you all a few weeks ago that we'd stay in the book of Numbers for quite some time. The book of Numbers, chapter 13, and let's start at verse 31. Here's what the Bible says. But the men, here's that word, but. My God, we can't get away from the word, but. But the men who had gone up with Caleb said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Are you with me this morning? Is the entire church with me this morning? And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Somebody telling a lie. And all of the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature now there we saw the giants that is the descendants of Anak from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our sight and so we were like grasshoppers in their sight one more time We saw the giants of the land. And in seeing these giants, we became as grasshoppers, insects, little bodies of no worth. Watch this. Not only in our sight, but we became grasshoppers in their sight. I want to preach just for the next few fleeting moments from part two the subject last week we began seeing higher going higher seeing higher going higher if you remember last Sunday the subtitle was simply this you cannot go higher unless you can see higher you cannot go higher unless you see higher Uh, this morning I want to change that up just a little bit seeing higher going higher yes but here's part two facing your fears in the land of opportunity facing your fears in the land of opportunity now I'm gonna give you a sentence in a moment I want you to write it down so let me go to get let me give you a warning real quick go ahead and get a pen you're gonna want to write this thought down alright you're gonna want to write this thought down. I don't know who the author of this quote was but it's a very relevant quote and I think it's really really appropriate for this morning's message alright so go ahead and get a pen a piece of paper, or write it in the back of the Bible. You'll, you'll want to read this again and again and again. Facing your fears. In the land of opportunity. Again, on last Sunday, we looked at Israel entering a season of new opportunity, entering that is the Canaan land, you know, the land that flows with milk and honey. There's a lot of great opportunity. There's a lot of great potential increase. There's a lot of prospect in this next acquisition, in this next transfer, in this next move. But the truth be told, we find out today there's not only great opportunity, but just some other things going on. In fact, it was in Numbers 13 last week, 17 through 20. I won't have time to read it all. But still remember what the Bible says, that Moses sends out the 12 spies. And, you know, I've read this scripture all my adult life. I probably remember these scriptures when I was a child. But, man, as a pastor today, as a leader of leaders today, I can't help but get away from the thought that uh, Moses didn't send out just 12 new members. He didn't send out 12 um, non-committed essential members. He sent out 12 leaders. Twelve elders. Twelve pastors. Maybe 12 church mothers. I ain't getting no amen from the motherboard this morning. You'd be saying amen any other time. All right. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you, Mother Crawford. Thank you very so much. Well, one out of two ain't bad, all right. Now. But these were 12 men. Here it is. Go out and spout the land of Canaan. And he said to them, Go up this way to the south and go up to the mountains. Uh, See what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is a good or a bad land. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or are they really strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor, whether there is forest or not. But here's the deal, be of good courage. And by the way, if you get a chance, bring back some of the results. Some of the fruit of faith of what you've seen. Moses wants the children of Israel, and particularly these 12 leaders and spies, to look at the land, look at the people, look at the resources, and look at the opportunities. Uh, you know what, for, for, for many of us right now in our corporate church lives, in your individual private lives, many of you are, are at that junction right now. You're literally at the brink, you're at the precipice of some really, really great opportunities. And you need to evaluate. You need to have a systems evaluation it what you want to call it, a SWOT analysis. Uh, say what you want, but you need to really take a crit- critical and careful look at what you head- of where you're headed. I like to say uh, you should be inspecting what you expect. You should inspect what you expect. So talk to us about the land. Talk to us about the people of the land, the resources, and the opportunities. In fact, as previously stated, just as the children of Israel were uh, uh, seven th- several thousand years ago were Uh, at their new beginnings, I think today UCC, our church, we're at a season of new beginnings, a season of new opportunities. However, in this great land of opportunity, can I talk uh, plainly today? In this great land of opportunity, all right, there lies certain tests, trials, and tasks. Anything worth greatness, anything worth grandeur, anything worth significance is gonna bring its share, of obstacles, obstructions, and difficulties. There will be challenges, complications, and fears. This is why I can't get away from the importance of every man and woman having a vision. We've spent the last two, if not three Thursday nights, we'll spend the next two or three Thursday nights talking about the value of vision, the voice of vision, the victory of vision. Thank you, Pastor Mario, again, for acknowledging that. But I pray every husband, Every wife, every man, every woman, single, uh, widow, uh, single again, uh, uh, teenager, college student, uh, retiree. I pray everybody have a vision. Because one thing that's so common, is one, one very common denominator, uh, so highly effective and successful people is they had a vision. They had a vision. So whenever they arrived at that destined place they wanted to arrive, they knew it. And if they'd fallen short, they knew it. But if you're just kind of walking through life without a vision, any place to do, any place in the process will suffice. And so it's important that we understand that the vision that God gives you and I, it has to be a snapshot, a picture of the future of what can be and what must be. Throughout this series on Thursdays, and by the way, you're all welcome. Even the church members are welcome to their own church during pastoral teaching on Thursday nights. If you're not a member, you're still welcome. I want to talk to you about how to write a vision statement from scratch. How to cast a vision so your family or your, 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 your employees or, or whoever is uh, following the vision can follow it with, with expectation and with excellence. You know, how do I sustain the vision? How does the vision still speak in times of desperation? These are certain areas. And if you don't understand the value of vision... And you're up a creek without a ladder or without a paddle why because there's going to be some times in our lives we hear the scriptures the just we we'll walk by faith but man that is so much easier said than done second corinthians 4 reminds us that while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things that are seen the bible says they are temporary but the things that you cannot see those are the things that are eternal how do you have vision for a successful business and you're bouncing checks you don't have to say amen to that. I'll say amen for you've been there, done that. How do you have a vision for a successful ministry and it seems like the best of members all get transferred out of the city? How do you have a vision for a great family in your home? But there's tension, there's stress, there's division, there are issues, some things you can control and some things you can't control. But you got to say the vision. So vision has value. I believe every vision has a voice. And we're going to continue on Thursday night, and we'll talk about the, uh, the, the, the victory of vision. Now, if you were with me last Sunday, real quick, we talked about three principles of seeing higher, going higher. I gave you one. I remember giving you one. I didn't get to number two, nor number three. Today, I'll go to number two. Time permits, we'll go to number three. But there were three principles, biblical principles, introduced in seeing higher, going higher. Now here's, the, here's the turn I want to make today. Not only do I want to talk about the value of seeing higher, but I want to talk about the value of seeing within. It's one thing to cast your sights on the, on the great joys of tomorrow. But I wonder what would happen if we took some time to look within. To look within. And that's where the children of Israel were. That's where we find them today. They've got to a junction, they've come to crossroads and the path of success in life. And they're at a very critical junction. I mean, they are at a really critical crossroad, and they need to make some tough decisions. Oh, they see the land. They see the opportunity. They see the success. But boy, they also see some challenges. I want you to write this statement down. This becomes our, our, our screensaver of the week, all right? Write this down. If you don't have a vision, then your reality will always be determined by others' perspective. Or perceptions. Let me say that again. Oh, there it is. Thank you so much. If you don't have a vision, all right, then your reality will always be determined by others' perceptions. In other words, if you don't see your value and your worth, it will always be defined by someone else's opinions. Can you all hear me okay? If not, I'll go to the handheld mic. I'm, I, I'm okay either way. If you don't get a vision of what your tomorrow should look like, somebody else will get a vision for you. Are we doing okay so far? It's very important that we prioritize the word of God in our lives. I can hear a couple of men saying, I need money, I need money, I need money. Now you don't need money, you need a vision. Because if you get a vision from God, the money, the missions, the mindset, the ministry, everything else will follow. Bible reminds us again of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Without a vision, the people die, the people perish. You think you need overtime job and overtime time and a half uh, as an income? No, you need a vision from God. Because if you get a solid vision from God, stay the course. You won't have to worry about no time and a half and working overtime. You'll be able to spend that time with your wife and your kids and, and, and not sit one day looking back at life wondering where the time went. And so if you do not have a vision, then your reality will always be determined by others' perceptions. I think my objective today is simply this. How you see yourself is just as important of how you see your tomorrow. In fact, I'm not a clinical psychologist, not a social worker by any means. I want to talk to you about the dangers of low self-esteem, the dangers, the problems with low self-worth. Before that, remember this. We gave you three principles last week, three biblical principles to seeing higher, going higher. Number one, you have to see in the spirit, capital S, the vision of what can become. You all remember that last week. I'll review in a moment. Number two, you have to have a fearless faith and a complete obedience to God's will. Now we can talk and shout and dance and holler and get real emotional and real positive thinking but if you're not completely obedient to God's will and if you don't have fearless faith I doubt very seriously any of your dreams any of your goals any of your objectives will come to pass third and finally you'll have to have a righteous resolve that God will prosper the hands of his people that God will prosper in the hands of his people. Give me two minutes to review last Sunday. Last Sunday, we focused on number one, and that simply was this you have to see. In the spirit, Uh, this type of vision God's giving you can't be seen on Google, can't be seen on Chrome, can't be seen on somebody's TV show. This vision that God wants to give you is a big vision. And that big vision comes because he's a big God and he expects big things to happen in your life. All right. So you cannot get this in flesh and blood. You cannot get this by the school to hang around. You cannot get this in any academic, social, scholarly environment. This vision comes from the Lord and it's a big vision. In fact, it ought to scare your boots off. And that's just how big the vision can be of what God wants to accomplish in your life. Last week, we gave you Joel 228. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit, not a spirit, but my capital S. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so you can see things that others can't see, that you have an advantage edge on, on 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 business or in practice or in ministry or in school or at home whatever your goals and dreams are God says this through the Holy Spirit John 14 he is the paraclete the advantage he's the one who comes to lead the, the guide to comfort he gives you the edge and I will pour out this Holy Spirit on you one of the things that's going to happen as a consequence is you should have vision. This is why it's important. As I said last Thursday, uh, last Sunday morning, you have to stay in the word of God. Study the word of God. Not just read the Bible because of Sunday school. Not just read the Bible because you're feeling lucky. But you read the Bible to study to show thyself approved. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because it's in the presence of the Lord. Not only is there fullness of joy and pleasure at his right hand, but in the presence of the Lord, God will show you what he sees. God will tell you what he hears. God will make you feel what he feels. But that's not going to happen at Starbucks. That's not going to happen at at Target. It ain't going to happen at Walmart. It happens. The presence of the Lord. I gave you three examples last week. Remember, we talked about Caleb. The Bible says, all y'all getting ready to go to Haiti, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He's not a coward, He's not intimidated he ain't scared caleb had a different spirit but not only caleb then there was joshua you remember joshua whom the bible said son of none remember joshua the son of none the bible said even when moses who knew god face to face would leave the tabernacle would leave the presence of god joshua son of none would stay in the tabernacle he had an affinity he had a joy there was something about being in the church that joshua understood ain't that something Back then, people would do everything to stay in the house of God. Today, we allow any small excuse to keep us away from the house of God. It's too cold. It ain't cold enough. It's too loud. It ain't loud enough. My God this. My God that. And we use every excuse. But Joshua, the Bible makes it implicitly clear. He stayed in the presence of God. Well, can't I have it present in my bathroom? I, I suppose you could. Uh, can't I have his presence in my garage? I, I, I guess you could. But when, there's no greater joy and value and purpose until the people of God come together and worship and magnify and love and embrace and minister one to another. The presence of the Lord. And then finally, Moses, out of defense of the people, out of this pastoral care and this pastoral heart of the people, he prays the prayer and says, God, don't deal with them harshly. Yeah, they're stiff-necked. Yeah, they could be isolated. They can even be ignorant at times. But God, have mercy on them. And God says, okay, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the spirit that is on you. I'm going to put it on 70 leaders. And I pray that through those 70 leaders, it becomes contagious and infiltrate throughout the entire camp of about 2 million, Christ- I mean, 2 million uh, followers in that day and time. And so we prayed, and I think that's how we closed service out last week. God, may the presence and may the spirit of God, because this can't be fought with flesh and blood. This can't be fought in the practical or the natural. If your vision is going to come to pass as a husband, as a business owner, as a colleague, as a student, it has to be done in the spirit realm. As a married couple, if the vision is going to come to pass over your children, it can't be because of seminars and workshops and all type of practical teaching. It has to come from the presence of God if healing for your body if wholeness for your mind if increase for your finances is going to come to pass you know if it could be if it was worth all those other areas it would have happened by now but this one has to happen because of the presence of God three things happened when God's spirit came on the people number 1 his presence was available number 2 power was demonstrated number 3 there was a partnering presence power and then there was a partnering between pastor and people, I believe that's what God has called us at today. His presence is here. I, I, you, you talked about presence in the worship services. You talked about presence as we go forth in His kingdom, but then there's also power, a demonstration of what God can do. You know, Bible says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What happens when people testify one to another? What happens when people can give each other praise report of the power of God? Faith is built and faith is increased and what God does for one, he does for another. Then there's a path partnering between Pastor Moses, that is, and the people and great things happen. Number two today, you have to have fearless faith and a complete obedience to his will. Go back to Numbers 13 just for a few moments, all right? Numbers 13, and I want you to look at verse 30. Very, very, very pivotal verse. Very game-changing verse. Numbers 13, and I want you to look at verse 30, all right? Now, we've talked about Moses. We've looked at Caleb. We've looked at Joshua. And between these three, man, heaven has to come forth in this situation. Numbers 13 and 30. The Bible says, and then Caleb, I think I gave you all the wrong scripture. Let me make sure. Numbers, 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 13. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, 30. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. For we are well able. Notice this. The men said that we're not able. And you know what? They may not have been able in that context. But because God is able, we also become able. Watch the math. In and of ourselves, those men might have been half right. We are not able. There is a strong possibility that these men had no faith, all right, no fear of God, all right. They didn't know the facts. Fact number one is if God is on our side, we now become the majority, all right, fact number two, if God's on my side, there's nothing, no one, no giant, no devourer of the land, anything, not only can separate us from the love of God, but nothing can stop us from God's purpose. I wish you'd understand that in your own context, whatever you got going on in your life. When God, you know, I told my oldest son this morning coming to church, I said, son, find some time to pray and get in the word of God. And I said, you know what, man, the very success that God has given you, he'll continue as you continue to keep the word of God first. God is not a one and done. He's not here to toy, and to juggle and to tease and to play you happy and fancy for a couple of good times. God wants to complete that which he's begun. Listen, this doesn't have to be a good luck day and a bad luck day. This doesn't have to be a coincidence that great things are happening for me. No, if you walk in the word of God, if you walk under the fear and admonition of the Lord, if you do what's right every day. Every week, every month, every season. Even in a bad season, he still gives you a winning attitude. Even in a hard time, he still gives you a, a resolve that things are going to be all right. That is a reality. That is a fact. But because these men, these leaders, didn't see the, have faith. Didn't have a fear of the Lord that God could do something. They didn't stay in the temple, as Joshua. They didn't have the courage as a caleb they may have been the majority among their 10 cells but joshua and caleb had god now all of a sudden they have the majority may i submit to every one of you today that these men not only lack faith they lack worth and esteem you know people with low self-esteem are more troubled by failure and tend to exaggerate events as being negative you have to almost look at low self-esteem or low self-worth as a continuum from, from, from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. And people who have high esteem, they tend to be more excellent-driven, more job-completion-driven. People with low self-esteem, they, 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 they tend to have these characteristics that always continually make them the rear and not the head. In fact, they're withdrawn often, shy and Quiet, insecure, underachieving, negative attitude. I I know some people with negative attitudes. That could be a strong qualification or characteristic of low self-esteem. They're unhappy, angry, hostile, unmotivated, depressed, poor self-image. I mean, it sounds like these men in the the book of Numbers chapter 13 to me, don't it? Doesn't it sound like that to you? They are non-risk takers and they lack self-confidence. men didn't just lack faith they lacked at who they were as a child of God let me try to help you out real quick before I close and I always try to make sure the message is relevant not just a good Bible story from thousands of years ago For the many of you all who work in banking others who work in other corporations fortune 500 companies some of y'all might even work in the school systems and undoubtedly there's always going to be an atmosphere while others seem more qualified, they're very complex, very corporate-driven. Am I right? It, it seems that as not only are they very complex and, and corporate-driven, but you, you, you see also that it's a very competitive atmosphere. And I think what these men were saying, the losers, I, I should say, I call them five-star losers. They're saints, they're sinners, and they're losers, and they're winners. These were losers. And I think what got to them, I think if, if there had to be one statement that continually came from their mouth, we don't belong here. We don't belong here. This is certainly above our level. It's too grand, too big, too important. I don't want to get too personal with this message. I might do it tonight during communion. But I don't want to be around people who don't believe they belong. because somewhere and let me just be very clear somewhere it could be a racial inferiority it could be a denominational inferiority it could be a past upbringing inferiority either way it goes somehow you just don't feel like you belong i say it all the time when god puts you into the presence of great people and we call great greatness, than he calls great we call greatness because they can slam a ball through a, 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 they can slam dunk a ball. We call them great because they're six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, and run the four We call them great because they've sung these songs and they've got these awards, and 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 we become real intimidated in their presence, looking for their autographs. I've said it for twenty one years. I'll say it again. Uh, you ought to be seeking their autograph. They ought to be seeking your autograph. You have the words to eternal life. Because there will come a day where there's no more basketball, ain't no more football, no more war, but God gives you the words to eternal life. You slobbing and crying and hollering and teasing all over them, they ought to be coming to your footsteps. Tell me the words of eternal life. They may be a Nicodemus who has a whole lot of success going on in their life, and they may knock at the door at 3 in the morning, but can you give me the words to eternal salvation? And that's the influence of our type of church. We're in all type of great circles. We're in all type. I mean, on a given day throughout this week in this city, many of you all are rubbing shoulders with some great men and women. But make one thing clear. You never feel intimidated. You never ought to be fearful of telling them about a Savior from Galilee who can save your soul and set you free. All right, you should never feel embarrassed of this gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. Somehow or another, we've got the vision backwards, and I believe that some of our Christian TV worlds and our Christian radio stations, and some of uh, some of the uh, past ugliness of Christian living in our society, has made us all ashamed of being Christians. You cut the radio on, you hear a bunch of foolishness. Songs that don't make no sense. You love God, I love God. What's wrong with you? I hate that song. I'm turning the station. I will listen to Charlie Pride, Waylon Jennings, and some country music while I listen to that jump. That's not the gospel. I don't care how old you are. We got all type of songs and then you cut the TV on, and so-and-so begging for a dollar. So-and-so ain't going to come out the trash can until the offering is raised, and so-and-so doing this, and so-and-so. I think, my God, it's embarrassing. So when you are invited out to lunch with the CEO of the company, you talk about everything but being saved. Yet, 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 three days ago, two days ago, nine people are... Businessly murdered. And the one question that young suitor wanted to know, are you a Christian? Yeah. Bam. The people are dying for their faith while we hide in the closet because of our faith. Caleb, Joshua were men of courage, conviction, and business. I'm almost finished. Take your seats. Take your seats. I'm almost finished. And so they struggle. They say we don't belong at this level. We'd be more happier in the storefront, shouting and hollering, making a whole bunch of noise. Can we just stay in this tabernacle, set up, breakdown, raggedy banners, decor? Uh, at least we had to worry about this, that, and the other. Some of you are, and I don't have time to go to it, but next week we'll go into chapter 14 because Israel lets the cat out the back and says, you know what, we would have been better off back in Egypt. We would have been better off in slavery than to hit his preacher, than to follow this Moses and his two sidekick buddies, Joshua and Caleb, because they say we got a better life ahead of us. There are books yet to be written in your life. Dalton, there are projects and songs yet to be produced. There's money yet to be made in your life. There are countries, missions, projects yet to be accomplished in many of your lives. And All because a lot of us say we really don't belong. I pray some of you all have the experiences I've had over the years when we come into a new environment, a new orientation meeting, and we are trying to spar our position who's gonna sit where and do what. And the professor comes in and says, you know what? You all don't have to worry about who's who. We vetted you a long time ago, you all belong here. Now let's get down to business. I pray that you all had that experience where you don't have to worry about a bunch of politicking and a bunch of name-calling and drop names and just be who you are. And let the Lord use you. You are there for a purpose and a reason. All right? Bible says that many have came to him, or he came to many men not received him, but they, John 1, 11, 12, who received him to them, he gave the power to become sons of God. And this power didn't come because of the will of the flesh. It didn't come because of the will of man, but God appointed and anointed for you to belong. So no matter what company you work for, no matter what school position you're in, no matter what business you envision, no matter what pulpit you get in, you belong by the grace of of god these 10 spies did not feel that they belong how do you know because the bible says we had low self-esteem in our eyes first and we assumed we were the same in front of those giants tell your neighbor neighbor you belong in fact telling you belong at the next level bible says second timothy 1 7 god has not given us a spirit of fear huh cowardice intimidation i don't care what the degrees that they have and the certifications they have and how long they've been on the job and how many projects they've done god has not given me the spirit of fear in fact i got something they ain't got he gave me authority he gave me power he gave me a sound mind I may be the last high, but I ain't going to be the first five. In fact, if everybody get laid off, I'm still going to be here. Why? Because he gave me an authority. He gave me an anointing. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. The 1,000 fall at my right side, 10,000 at my left side. This harm will not come nigh me. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you belong. Tell him you belong at the next level. One thing that Caleb and Joshua understood that those ten cowards did not. Number one, they were the child of God. Number two, they've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians 1, 7 reminds us, in him we have the redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. So not only do you belong, your sins, your compromise, the iniquities, the transgressions of your past, have been washed away. Now, why is that important? Because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That devil can't tap you on the shoulder and remind you of your sins of yesterday or yesteryear. Is that right? Because whom the Son has said free indeed is free indeed. No more guilt. Come on, talk to me now. No more shame. See, no more condemnation. Nobody can tell you. Now, you do remember you used to be this and you used to be that. No, 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 no. If any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. Huh? All things are passed away, and all things have become brand new. You, my dear friend, you are a child of God. Number two, you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Number three, and finally, you are part. Of God's family. This is why the devil wants to fight your membership. This is why the devil fights your mind. This is why he didn't want you among the assembly of the people of God. This is why he didn't want you loving and caring and forbearing and forgiving one another because there is value in being part of the family of God. There is grace and being in the fellowship of the saints. There is power when two come together. If one can put a thousand a flight, two can put ten thousand a flight. If two are touching as agreeing, in fact, a small group is two are three. and jesus said i'm in the midst of that group and when jesus comes into the house when the lord comes on your side you are part of god's family bible reminds us in first peter 2 9 you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation There's something different about you than your competitors on the job. There's something different about you than your competitors in your industry or those who are clients or who have clients that are against your competition. There's something different about the family of faith. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, chosen generation. You are God's own special people. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Peter 2, 9, Bible says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's so important today, to know who your identity is, to know not only who you are, but whose you are. For we at a time did not obtain mercy, but today we have obtained mercy from God. How do I know we can take the land? How do I know we're going to be all right in the new facility? How do I know you're going to be fine at your next level? Because he gives you mercy over your past, and he gives you a grace for your future. He covers your past Uh, help me Holy Ghost he covers your past sins past wrong past iniquity with the precious blood but he also gives grace for your future he the Bible says he's able to make all grace abound toward you in other words you really don't deserve it can't buy it don't deserve it but God says I'm gonna give you a supernatural presence a supernatural advantage I'm gonna give you an edge in the face of all your competitors I'm gonna give you an edge in the face of all of your colleagues And that is will take you straight to the top. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm witness. Stand to your feet. I told my son, my second, my my youngest son. I said, Matt, we're all underdogs in our family. We're all walk-ons, if the truth be told. In my industry, I got to be very careful today. But in the church world, I'm not second, third, fourth generational. I didn't come from a long line of bishops and Pontius pilots. just didn't want to be happy with status quo. It's not because uh, I inherited a great church from my father, not a lot of national recognition and national endowments and national this and that. Not because of the degrees I've earned, always seem to be the last one brought to the table. But God has a purpose. And it brings out humility. It brings out true honor and true worth unto God, not unto man. And so I encourage my sons, as I encourage every one of you, you want us to so compete with the world. But we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And sometimes we get frustrated why things don't happen for us as it happens for the sinner. A back says, God, your word is not worth nothing. How long will you allow this foolishness to go on? Sinners get in their way and sinners having the last say. So here I am trying to do your will and teach your people your word. And God says, I'm going to show you a vision. In fact, I'm going to tell you ahead of time what's going to happen. So when it does happen, you want not sit there looking stupid. Because I'm going to do it in your time, even though I tell you, you still ain't going to believe me. He says, just keep still and write the vision. <laughs> If you don't write no vision, he ain't going to talk to you. Why? Because as we learned Thursday night, the vision has a voice. And that vision will speak. But if you ain't got no vision, he ain't going to talk to you. Have you ever noticed that in the toughest trials of your life, he says very little? When I first got saved, everybody prophesied to me. I, the first year I got saved, I got prophesied in the car, yeah, I, I could be in a room with three four hundred church members and I'd be the one called stand up Yeah, I say unto you all the guest evangelists all the guest prophets my own pastor everybody prophesied to me Why because I was young in the faith and he know he needed that he needed to build my faith with the supernatural But uh, how many of y'all know the longer you stay saved? <laughs> the last four prophesy to you God hey Have you forgot about me? why because the just still walk by Hey, he weans you off of the nipple of new beginnings and he puts you into a land of obscurity a land of oblivion a land of, i'm not quite sure if you're coming or going i've been in that land so joshua and caleb they lost the boat that day two to ten but they had won the victory in the spirit. And Moses, I think Moses should be commended. Because Moses could have been a normal, regular, political numbers guy who could have went with the 10. And 2 million saints would have missed their promised land. Eventually, God would have brought them through somewhere in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 1st and King, Chronicles, Samuel. Somewhere down the road, he would have brought them in. But they probably would have added another 40 years to their journey. Sometimes you have to go against the grain, go against status quo. You have to become unsatisfied with being satisfied. Learn to be uncomfortable with comfortable. And that day those two men, they understood that we are well able. And the only reason we are well able is because he's able. I said Thursday night, and I'll say it again. About seven times a day in this process, and I have two major fronts going on in my personal life. One is ministry dealing with acquisitions, the facilities, The other deals with denominational leadership and all that stuff. But no less than seven times a day, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, these two sentences. Don't lose sight of the vision. I could be on a conference call and I hear the Holy Ghost say, don't lose sight of the vision. I could be fixing coffee in the morning. Don't lose sight of the vision. I could be sitting in traffic. Light turned turn green. I'm still standing still. Don't lose, light of, don't lose sight of the vision. And then the second thing that I hear on a very repetitive, continual basis is simply this. Don't forget the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. In other words, the Lord says, son, don't forget the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's bigger than brick and mortar. It's bigger than a return on an investment. Bigger than dollar and cents. There's a harvest. There's a renewal, a revival, a restoration. And this is why the enemy fights us so. There's a platform for other leaders across our country that need to know what to do in situations like this. How do you weather the storm? How do you wait the process? How do you learn not to compromise and get political? And yet stay the course god says david don't you ever forget i brought you from the back mountain of tending sheep to making you rule over all of israel and that is a scripture that rings in my mind on a daily basis as long as those, as well as those two statements don't you ever forget why dr three he rose you and your husband chris up let me say it right chris why he rolls you and your wife up i'm still old school by the way Man, ahead head of the home. Yeah. Uh, You want to ask your wife for permission first? All right, no. Notice I looked at you, not at my own wife. But why does God raise up couples in ministry? Never forget the reason why. When I sit down with couples and I counsel them and I talk about issues and concerns and problems and sometimes sins and compromises, and if you're willing to be healed and restored and and, and blessed, it doesn't just stop with saying I do and it doesn't just stop with redoing vows. But can you see yourself standing in front of thousands of couples one day saying I've been there, done that? Someone who has a bad business experience and more it hurts when they got to go talk with the Department of State and they, excuse me, the, 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 the State uh, the Department of Revenue uh, and uh, uh, F, uh, IRS and the taxes. And Oh, can you see yourself one of these days paying all your bills? But yet one day standing and talking to so many new business owners on the what to do's and the what not to do's. Everything you're experiencing, God will use for his glory but for your strength. You have to get beyond what you see and go in to what you can't see. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to pray with you. You are a child of God. You've been washed by the blood. You are a part of God's family. Father, may we be a people that never lose sight of the vision. May we stay in our word Know the value of praise and worship, being committed to the house of God, praying with passion and purpose. May we continually be reminded of the reasons of why you are raising up your precious people to be a witness, to be an example, to be a light, to be a hope to our families, unsaved loved ones, siblings, parents, children. That God, you'd raise up us, even on our job, to be a fresh breath of encouragement. God, as we begin to make our way toward Numbers 14, Numbers 15, Numbers 16, I can't help but get to the Scripture. At that night, they stood between the dead and the living. And I pray, God, in this room today that we see ourselves as Joshua and Caleb, that we stand between the dead and the living, that there's some people that's going to come to know Jesus and the pardon of their sins because of our testimony. Uh, because of our pain because of our experiences father. I pray for every man and woman here today That you give them a vision to clearly see exactly why you brought them out of darkness You brought them into the marvelous light In fact, I just pray for the men and women that are here today that may perhaps don't know you in the pardon of their sins God that you love them. So today that you would that they'd be fully convinced that you have a perfect plan of salvation just for them you're here today and you're saying pastor steven's I I'm standing to my feet and I'm hearing the prayer you're praying and yes, I'm one of those men women. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman Don't mean to hurt or harm people and I try to do all I can do and live a good life But the truth of the matter is that I'm not saved. I'm a good person I want to be a Christian and I want to do what's right. You know what? I want to go to heaven I want God to forgive me of all of my sins And the truth of the matter is I'm not saved, but I want to be saved today. In other words, I want to be a child of God. I want to come into the family of God and receive that precious blood, to wash away all of my sins, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the embarrassment of the past. I want all of those things to be annihilated in my life. In fact, I want to be a brand new Christian today. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you're here today and you're saying, yes, I want that prayer over my life. I want to pray that prayer and I want to be saved today on this first Sunday of October I want to commit my life to serving Jesus receive the gift of salvation in my personal life that I could decree and declare that this day I am a Christian I am saved Why every head is bowed and every eye closed I just ask and I just want you to right where you're standing just lift your hand right where you're standing I want to pray for you I want to pray and minister to you just for a quick moment it won't take long it's a very simple but powerful prayer but i'll need you to be very honest and open and be transparent god will save you for willing to admit that i am a sinner and i need to be saved. i see your hand come on just, just raise that hand wherever you're standing at god wants to bless you pastor i want all of my sins to be forgiven would you raise your hand i see your hand come on i want my life to be pleasing unto the lord i want to commit my heart to jesus come on lift your hand right where you're standing we're, we're not here to look at your past no one's here to condemn you we're not here to condemn you or ask any questions about it that, those things don't matter to us what matters is that today all things become brand new i see your hand would you lift your hand right where you're standing no one should have to feel embarrassed or ashamed to lift your hand we are the body of christ we're your brothers and sisters and we want to see you go to heaven and fulfill god's will while you're right on the earth before i pray any more hands come on just lift those hands pastor don't forget about me please don't pray without me i want to be saved i want to be that christian Right where are while these hands are raised maybe you're here today and you're saying pastor you know what I'm, I'm saved and I love Jesus but I'm not where I need to be it's nothing more valuable than a man that simply says the truth is I'm just not quite where I need to be I've come away from the word I've gotten away from prayer I've gotten away from God I want to come home I want to be restored I want to start over again I want to be set back I just want to recommit my life today would you also raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well. I want to pray for you as well. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. Just be honest. Right where you're standing? Come, come. Right where you at? Right where you're at. Right where you at. And while that hand is lifted, I want you to pray this prayer. I feel the presence of God. And when the presence of the Lord comes into the room, there's not a condemnation, but there is a conviction. And that conviction says, I want to get it right with God. There are couples in this room. need to come to the Lord you're literally at the brink of destruction but if you're willing to believe God allow him to come in he's a mender of the broken heart he can restore and repair the breach in your home but you'll have to be open and honest come on while that hand is lifted would you pray this prayer say Lord Lord forgive me me for all of my sins I'm so sorry I do, believe in my heart. I do believe in my heart. And today I confess with my mouth, with my that, mouth. Your son, Jesus, that your son Jesus, he is Jesus. king of all kings. King of he all king. is Lord of all. Lord of today, all. I today I receive the gift of salvation. Of salvation. I, commit my life I commit my life to serving you holy. Thank you for forgiving me Thank you for of, all, me. of my sins. all of my sins. Thank you for giving me, Thank you for giving the, me. Gift the gift of salvation. I receive it now. I, it now. I, am, saved I am saved today. In the name of Jesus, name of Jesus. I, pray. I pray. Come on, everybody, say amen. 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 Let's clap our hands and celebrate Alleluia. with these who are here, those who are coming. Alleluia. Oh, come Thank on, let's magnify the Lord. Alleluia. I want her to come. Listen, for those...